We are community. Folks, that's what we've been talking about in this series of lessons on how to really love one another. And as we're working our way through some of the key one another passages in the New Testament, we're learning how we fit together, how we live together, how we work together. Our end objective is to sharpen our fellowship skills to the point that what the Apostle Paul said of the church in Thessalonica could also be said of Springville Nash. Your faith is growing more and more and the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. Once again, let's begin today's lesson with the key underlying principle that's the foundation for our current series of lessons on this life purpose of fellowship. And that is simply, when you come into a personal relationship with Christ, you also come into a personal relationship with other Christians. Belonging to a local body or family of believers is as much a part of being a Christian as belonging to Christ Himself. One writer I read this last week put it this way, Nobody is a whole chain. Each one is a link. But take away one link and the chain is broken. Nobody is a whole team. Each one is a player. But take away one player and the game is forfeited. Nobody's a whole orchestra. Each one is a musician. Take away one musician and the symphony is incomplete. Nobody's a whole play. Each one is an actor. But take away one actor and the performance doesn't make any sense. Nobody's a whole hospital. Each one is a part of the staff. But take one person away and it isn't long until the patient care suffers. Cars are composed of numerous parts. Each one is connected to and dependent upon the others. Even a tiny screw, if it comes loose and falls off, can bring the whole vehicle to a stop. You guessed it, he writes. We need each other. You need someone and someone needs you. Isolated islands we are not. To make this thing called church work, we have to lean and support and relate and respond and give and take and confess and forgive and reach out and embrace and release and rely. I thought that was really good. Well, take your Bible and open with me today to Philippians chapter 2. Would you do that? Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, the book of Philippians chapter 2. It's on page 1824 if you're using the Pew Bible. And if you haven't done so already, would you please take those lesson notes out of your program this morning so that you can take a few notes, be an active listener as we learn in our study time together today. Mm 18.24 How to really love one another. The past three Sundays we've taken a closer look at what it means to be members of one another, devoted to one another, and to encourage 
one another. This morning in a lesson I've entitled, How to Put Others Before Self, we're going to zero in on yet another one another commands, repeated several times actually throughout the New Testament. One of those places is found in Ephesians 5 and verse 21. Let's read this out loud together as we begin. Would you read it with me? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Don't miss that key phrase. Submit. Uh, We don't like that word, do we? Uh, What? Submit to one another. Mutual submission. That's the heart of today's lesson. How to put others before self. Now before we work our way through today's text in Philippians 2 and discover what it means to submit to one another, let's just stop right here and let's ask God to clearly speak to us this morning. Would you pray with me? God, here we are again, sitting at Your feet. We're the students. You are the master teacher. And as always, You have something You want to share with us today from Your Word. So I pray that You would open our eyes to see. Open our ears to hear. Open our minds to understand. And open our hearts that we would receive the seed of truth You want to plant there, that it would grow in our lives. It would change us. It would transform us more and more into who You want us to be. That's our desire this morning. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Well, let's begin our Bible study by reading through this entire text and then we'll break it down verse by verse and phrase by phrase. So follow along in your Bible. Philippians chapter 2, we pick it up with verse 1. Paul writes, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to his your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made Himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, He humbled Himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross." Go back to verses 1 and 2 for just a moment. Look at them again in your Bible. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, Paul says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Notice how some other versions translate or paraphrase these same verses. William Barclay If there's such a thing as Christian encouragement, if 
there's such a thing as love's comforting power if you and I are really sharing in the partnership which only the Holy Spirit can make possible. If you really wish to show me a heartfelt sympathy which is like the mercy of God, make my joy complete by being in perfect harmony of mind, by joining in a common love for God and for each other, by sharing in a common life, there's that word community, by making every decision in unity of mind. The message, if you've gotten anything at all, out of following Christ, if His love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. So what's the Apostle Paul saying here, really? Well, basically, he's appealing to the church in Philippi, and ultimately, he is appealing to us here today, Springville Church of the Nazarene, to be a community of believers where harmony, unity prevails. I mean, if we would just stop long enough to ponder how God's amazing grace and love has brought us together despite our differences and our diversity as one church family. We would do anything and everything possible to preserve and protect this oneness that we have in Christ. Which brings us then to verses 3 and 4. Look at them again in your Bible. Paul writes, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Now again, notice how some other versions translate or paraphrase verses 3 and 4. The Amplified do nothing from factional motives through contentiousness, strife, selfishness, or for unworthy ends or prompted by conceit and empty arrogance. Instead, in the true spirit of humility, let each regard the other as better than or superior to himself or herself, thinking more highly of one another than you do of yourselves. Let each of you esteem and look upon and be concerned for not merely his or her own interests, but first and foremost for the interest of others. The Living Bible kind of condenses it down a bit. It says, don't be selfish. Don't live to make a good impression on others. Boy, that's a good piece of advice right there. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't just think about your own affairs, but be interested in others too and in what they are doing. This is probably my favorite though, the message. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Now, I think Paul's instruction here is pretty clear. He is saying, Enough! Enough with self-promotion and pride. We need to set aside our own egos and our own agendas in order to humbly put the needs and interests of others before our own. Because you see, a Christ follower's life does not revolve 
around I, me, my, mine. It revolves around you, yours. That runs so contrary, doesn't it? To our old carnal nature. That's why it can only happen when we live according to our new spiritual nature. Mutual submission. Putting others before self. Which brings us then to verses 5 through 8. Look at them in your Bible with me. Paul writes, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. What was his attitude? Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Once again, notice how some other versions translate or paraphrase verses 5-8. through J.B. Phillips, let Christ be your example as to what your attitude should be. For he who had always been God by nature did not cling to his prerogatives as God's equal, but stripped himself of all privilege by consenting to be a slave by nature and being born a mortal man. And having become man, he humbled himself by living a life of utter obedience, even to the extent of dying. And the death he died was the death of a common criminal. William Barclay try always to have the same attitude toward life as Jesus had. He shared the very being of God, but he did not regard his equality to God as a thing to be clutched to himself. So far from that, he emptied himself and really and truly became a servant and was made for a time exactly like men. In human form that all could see, he accepted such a depth of humiliation that he was willing to die and die on a cross. The message. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of Himself. He had equal status with God but didn't think so much of Himself that He had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, He set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave. Became human. Having become human, He stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. So what's the Apostle Paul's point here? Well, I think it's simple. It begins with understanding that Jesus Himself is the best example of what it means to put others before self. He enjoyed equal status with God. He was God. He had all the privileges of heaven, but He willingly set aside His position and His advantage to become a human being. The Creator this is, I can't get my arms around this one. The Creator became the creation. 
And He became a human being. Why? To die on a cross for you. For me. He was literally a living and a dying example of putting others before self. Submission to us. It's incredible. Well, that's a look at today's text, Philippians 2, 1 through 8, which leads us then to draw some conclusions. How are these verses in Philippians 2 relevant to Springville Church of the Nazarene right now today? What are some specific ways that we can apply this command to submit to one another to our lives, both individually and congregationally? As we consider how to put others before self, let me divide our conclusions into two distinct categories this morning. First of all, I want to talk to you for just a moment about the dimensions of submission. As we read earlier, Ephesians 5.21 instructs us to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And here in our text, Philippians 2 and verse 3 urges us to consider others better than yourselves. So, the question then is, to whom are we to be submissive? Now, I suppose we could be real general and say, well, everyone... (laughs) But let's get a little more specific in our application of this one another principle. As I researched this further this past week, I found the Bible mentions at least ten relationships where we need to put the needs and the interests of others before our own. Where we need to demonstrate a submissive attitude. I'm just going to give you this list very quickly. Then you can study these Scripture passages that I've listed on your own later. So look at your lesson notes with me. The dimensions of submission include, number one, all people must submit to God. Well, that's where it begins, right? That's the ultimate submission. Number two, citizens must submit to government officials. Ah, that's a little more difficult. (laughs) Especially in this year of elections. Number three, church members must submit to church leaders. Number four, all leaders must submit to followers. Hmm, That's interesting. Number five, employees, servants in the Bible, must submit to employers, masters in the Bible. Number six, ah, this is the one, wives must submit to their husbands. Before you get too excited about that, husbands, look at number seven. Husbands must submit to wives. Oh, isn't that interesting? Mutual, see, it's mutual submission. Are you with me? Number eight, children must submit to parents. And vice versa, number nine, parents must submit to children. Number ten, the younger must submit to the older. So there you have it. Ten dimensions of submission. Ten specific relationships where we need to put the needs and interests of others before our own. By the way, I do not think this is an exhaustive list. But it's enough to get us thinking, isn't it? 
So as you review this list on your own later, ask yourself the question when you're looking up those scriptures and you're thinking about these ten areas. Ask yourself, how am I doing when it comes to demonstrating a submissive spirit in these areas of my life? That brings us into the second category in our conclusion section today, and that's the directions for submission. Now the question is, how? How are we to submit to one another? What are some practical ways that we can put the needs and interests of others first before our own? Well, as we consider how to put others before self, let me offer these four practical conclusions from our text this morning in Philippians chapter 2. Number one, putting others before self requires a synergetic outlook. Well, that's a big word, I know. Just write it down for right now. Let me define it. <laughs> a synergetic outlook. Whatever else we may learn from verses 1 and 2 of today's text, it certainly speaks of the synergy that comes from being a part of a body or a family of believers like Springville Nass. The Apostle Paul uses words in these first couple of verses like united, fellowship, like-minded, same, being one. Synergy. You know what synergy is? Synergy is where the sum of all the parts together is greater than those individual parts. Does that make sense? When we come together as a body, as a family of believers, what God does in and through us in that Togetherness, that oneness, is exponentially greater than if you were to add up all the individual parts. I can't explain it. It just happens. Folks, let me just begin by saying there are no Lone Ranger Christians. I always laugh because I say, yeah, even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. <laughs> But I'll say it again, when, when you come into a personal relationship with Christ, you also come into a personal relationship with other Christians. And having said that, imagine what would happen if each and every one of us lived our lives with a conscious and a continuous awareness of the community of which we are a part. Imagine the synergy that would flow in and through Springville Church of the Nazarene rather than each of us being focused on our own individual needs and interests, we focused instead on the larger, broader interest of the church as a whole. I believe the early Christians had this synergetic outlook. In fact, in Acts 2, verses 44 through 47, we read all the believers lived in a wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and pooled their resources so that each person's need was met. They followed a daily discipline of worship, followed by meals and homes, every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praised God. People in general liked what they saw. Well, of course they did. The general public was like, whoa. And notice it says, every day, their number grew as God added those who were saying, well, yeah, people wanted to be a part of that. <laughs> and I think people still want to be a part of something like that today. And if the church is functioning as the church ought to function, 
and we have this synergy, people are attracted to that. How can I get in? Again, because the greater of all of us together, working together, is so much exponentially greater than the sum of each individual part. So first, putting others before self requires a synergetic alloc. Oh, I wanted to read this Scripture. I forgot it. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 30. Here's synergy for you. One person can chase a thousand... But two can chase 2,000. Is that what it says? That's not what my Bible says. I guarantee you, yours doesn't either. <laughs> two can put what? 10,000 to play. See the synergy? Imagine what 50 of us, which is about how many we have this morning, I would guess, like we usually do. Imagine 50 of us in synergy. We'd blow the socks off of that. So first, putting others before self requires a synergetic outlook. Number two, putting others before self requires a selfless mindset. A selfless mindset. Once again, Philippians 2 verse 3 tells us to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Simply put, we cannot submit to one another if we are selfishly pursuing our own ambitions and agendas, if we insist on our own rights and privileges without thought for the needs and interests of others, if we're consumed only with what is best for us without concern for how it affects those around us in the church, we're missing the mark. Let's read 1 Corinthians 10, verses 23 and 24 out loud together. Would you read this one with me? In Christ we have the freedom to do many things, but not everything is good for others. We have the freedom to do many things, but not everything helps others grow. So nobody should look for his or her own good, but everybody should look for the good of the other person. See how that works? i got a lot of freedom in Christ. I can just go do whatever I want. No, I can't. Not if it's going to offend somebody else or hurt somebody else. I may have the freedom to do that, but I choose not to exercise that freedom because I am more interested in the good of others. <laughs> Man, there's so much in that. I wish I could touch on that more, but just kind of think on that one. So second, putting others before self requires a selfless Mindset. Number three, putting others before self requires a servant's heart. A servant's heart. Once again, Philippians 2 and verse 4 instructs us, each one of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interest of others. Now let's just cut to the bottom line right here. First and foremost, our focus should be on serving. Serving one another's needs. And interest. <laughs> that focus is so countercultural to our consumer driven society. <laughs> our primary concern in America today is serve us, not service. 
how will my interests be served in this? What's in it for me? Is this what I like? Is this what I prefer? How will it cater to my needs? What's the benefit and value for me? How will this advance my own personal agenda? The Bible tells us those are the wrong questions. <laughs> Instead, we should be asking, how will the interest of others be served? How can I minister to others' needs? What is their preference? How can this add value or benefit to them? Like Jesus in verse 7 of today's text, our primary concern should be to take the very nature of a servant. Because you see, that's what Jesus was and is. Jesus Himself summed it up like this in Mark chapter 10, verses 43-45. through 45. If one of you wants to be great, you must be the servant of the rest. If one of you wants to be first, you must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served. Hey, wait a minute. Whoa. That's Jesus. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, He deserves to be served, right? We serve You, Lord! Jesus says, no. That's not why I came. I didn't come for You to serve Me. I came to serve You. He came to serve and to give His life. For you. For me. So third, putting others before self requires a servant's heart. And number four, putting others before self requires a sacrificial attitude. A sacrificial attitude. Let me talk about that. Because verse 5 tells us, he says, your attitude... <laughs> we used to, when I was in youth minister, we used to always raise our hand when the youth got a little out of hand, <laughs> which was quite often. And we would say, attitude check. This is an attitude check right now. Okay? Your attitude, Paul says, should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And what exactly was Jesus' attitude? Verse 6-8 through goes on to describe it as a sacrificial attitude. Jesus willingly, boy, don't miss those words, made Himself nothing. He humbled Himself. He became obedient to death. Don't miss this. What did it cost Jesus to put you before Himself? Everything! It cost Him His position. It cost Him His rights. It cost Him His privileges. It cost Him His dignity. It cost Him His life. It cost Him everything to put you first. The price of putting you first was the cross. I'm just going to let that one sit there for a minute. Because I want you to think about that. Let that sink in. It cost Jesus everything that was rightfully His to put you before Himself. 
We know and love John 3.16, but we also ought to embrace 1 John 3 and verse 16. So let's read it out loud together. Would you read this with me? This is how we've come to understand and experience love. Christ sacrificed His life for us. This is why we ought to live sacrificially for our fellow believers and not just be out for ourselves. Don't miss those words. Live sacrificially. Live sacrificially. Let me clarify that for just a minute. It is really easy for us to say, I will die for you. Why? Why is it easy to say? Because we know we're probably never going to have to do it, right? This verse is challenging us to say, I will live for you. I will live sacrificially. I will give up who I am and what I have. I'll give up my rights. I'll give up my privileges. I'll give up my preferences. I will give up my schedule. I will give up everything. I will die to my own agenda. I will die to my own ambitions. I will die to myself to live for you. So forth, putting others before self requires a sacrificial attitude. Specifically, how are we to submit to one another? What's necessary for us to put the needs in others first? Here are the directions for submission. Four conclusions from Philippians 2 verses 1 through 8. Putting others before self begins with a synergetic outlook. If we really truly do life together as a church, we can accomplish exponentially more than if we try to do it alone. It also takes a selfless mindset. It's not about me. It's all about you. The needs and interests of our brothers and sisters in our church family must come before our own. And it takes a servant's heart. Like Jesus, we're to put the towel over our arm, we're to wash one another's feet, we are to have a mindset of a servant. We're here to serve, not to be served. And first and foremost, the thing that ought to come to our mind is not, how's this going to benefit or value me, but how am I going to benefit or add value to someone else? And number four, it takes a sacrificial attitude. We must make ourselves nothing. We must live sacrificially for one another. Now all of that brings us to a time of decision. How to really love one another. This morning we've taken a closer look at Philippians 2 verses 1-8 through and how to put others before Self. And as we do every Sunday, I want to challenge you to join me in completing a homework assignment. <laughs> I'm going to do this, so I'm asking you to partner with me in doing this this week. So see your lesson notes there? Two things to do this week. First of all, take a little dimension self-inventory. Take the time to review those ten dimensions of submission, the ten specific areas where the Bible instructs us to put the needs and others before our own. 
And as you look up those related Scriptures, prayerfully ask God to reveal to you where you need to humble yourself. And then I'm going to challenge you to join me. Here's the real bottom line of this first homework assignment. Choose one specific area out of those ten that you're going to work on to improve this week. In this second, you'll notice there's a direction self-inventory, which basically I'm asking you to reread Philippians 2, 1-8 through and review the directions for submission that we gave you from today's conclusions and use the following questions to do a little self-inventory. Look at those questions with me. They're there in your notes. First, do I live with a conscious and continuous awareness of community? How do I contribute to the synergy here at Springville Church of the Nazarene? And secondly, do I tend to selfishly pursue my own ambitions and agendas, insisting on my own rights and privileges without much thought for the needs and interests of others? And if so, what steps can I take to become more selfless? Putting others first. And then third, do I think first how I may serve others? What's best for them? Or am I primarily concerned with what's a benefit to me? How my personal needs and interests are served? And then finally... This is a good question. What sacrifices have I made recently for another person? How have I laid down my life for someone else at Springville Nass? How can I die to self to someone for someone this week? I noticed this sign down here. I don't know if you've seen it. Faith makes things possible, not easy. (laughs) That kind of applies this morning, I thought. Folks, this is not easy. This is not at all easy. But if we're going to really love each other, it's necessary. We've got to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We've got to learn how to put others before self. Let's close today's lesson by reading 1 Peter 5 and verse 5 out loud together. Would you read this with me? All of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Ah, Good reminder for us.